Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to CGI's first quarter fiscal 2022 conference call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Kevin Linder, Senior Vice President, Finance and Treasury, and Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Linder. Thank you, Julie, and good morning. With me to discuss CGI's first quarter fiscal 2022 results are George Schindler, our President and CEO, and Francois Boulanger, Executive Vice President and CFO. This call is being broadcast on CGI.com and recorded live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Supplemental slides as well as a press release we issued earlier this morning are available for download along with our Q1 MD&A, financial statements and accompanying notes, all of which have been filed with both CEDAR and EDGAR. Please note that some statements made on the call may be forward-looking. Actual events or results may differ materially from those expressed or implied, and CGI disclaims any intent or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. The complete safe harbor statement is available in both our MD&A and press release, as well as on CGI.com. We recommend our investors read it in its entirety. We are reporting our financial results in accordance with International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS. As always, we will also discuss non-GAAP performance measures, which should be viewed as supplemental. MDNA contains definitions of each one used in our reporting. All of the dollar figures expressed on this call are Canadian, unless otherwise noted. We're also hosting our annual general meeting this morning, so we hope you'll join us live by the broadcast at 11 a.m. I'll now turn it over to Francois to review our Q1 financials, and then George will comment on our business and market outlook. Francois. Thank you, Kevin, and good morning, everyone. I am pleased to share with you the results of our first quarter of fiscal 2022. Our revenue growth continues to accelerate on a constant currency basis, fueled by strong bookings from prior quarters, along with continued demand for our digital services and business solutions. In addition, we delivered double-digit EPS growth despite a strong Canadian dollar causing headwinds in our reporting currency. We recorded revenue of $3.1 billion, up 6.8% year-over-year on a constant currency basis. Strong constant currency growth was seen in the following segments. Asia-Pacific, up 19.5%. Western and Southern Europe, up 15.2%. U.S. commercial and state government, up 14.5%. Central and Eastern Europe, up 11.9%. And Canada, up 8.3%. Total bookings were $3.6 billion, representing a book-to-bill of 116.5% for the quarter and lifting our trailing 12 months book-to-bill to 115.2% compared to 103% for the prior year. I would like to call out a few segments with strong bookings in the quarter. Scandinavia at 117%, UK and Australia at 122%, and Finland, Poland, and Baltics with a book-to-bill of 353%, driven by a new eight-year managed services contract signed with the Finnish government, whereby CGI will serve as the largest provider of hybrid IT services to dozens of public sector organizations. In addition, yesterday, we announced an award by the U.S. Department of Justice for a $250 million U.S. dollar blanket purchase agreement, with the first task order already granted for a value of $134 million U.S. dollars, or approximately $170 million in Canadian dollars. Out of our eight proximity geographic segments, six now have a trailing 12 months book to bill well above 100%. New business was 33% of bookings, an increase from the previous year's 
On a trailing 12-month basis, new business was also 33% as compared to 26% for the year-ago period. Our global backlog increased to by $808 million year-over-year and remained strong at $23.6 billion. This backlog represents 1.9 times revenue, the vast majority of which is comprised of long-term managed services and digital transformation engagements. Given the continued increased demand for our services, as reflected by the strong bookings in the last few quarters, we expect continued positive momentum. On the profitability front, adjusted EBIT in Q1 was $521.5 million, while EBIT margin increased to 16.9%, up 50 basis points compared to Q1 last year. The year-over-year increase was mainly due to revenue growth in IP services and solutions, and improved utilization primarily within the Western and Southern Europe, Central and Eastern Europe, and U.S. federal segments. In addition, we continue to benefit from stronger margins due to operational excellence. We delivered strong EBIT margins in the following segments, Asia-Pacific at 32.1%, Canada at 25.6%, UK and Australia at 15.8%, and Western and Southern Europe at 15.4%. Due to the strength of our value proposition to clients and our embedded indexation clauses within our contracts, we have largely been able to absorb wage and other cost pressures in our pricing. Our effective tax rate in Q1 was 25.5% compared to 25.9% in the prior year. We continue to expect our tax rate for future quarters to be in the range of 24.5 to 26.5%. Net earnings were $367 million and diluted earnings per share were $1.49, representing an increase of 12.9% year over year. This improvement was mainly due to revenue growth and EBIT margins improvements as outlined earlier. Excluding integration costs, and earnings were $369 million for a margin of 11.9%, and diluted earnings per share were $1.50, an accretion of 12.8% when compared to $1.33 in the same quarter last year. In the quarter, cash provided by operating activities were, was $484 million compared to $597 million in the prior year, which had reduced variable compensation payments related to the impact of the pandemic. As a percentage of revenue, our cash generation was strong at 15.7%. DSO was 45 days compared to 44 days last year, aligned with our targets. For the last 12 months, cash provided by operating activities was $2 billion or 16.4% of revenue. This represents $8.02 in cash per share. In the quarter, we invested $206 million in our build and buy profitable growth strategy, mainly in our IP and for the acquisition of Connie Case Management Consulting and Array. In addition, we used $267 million to buy back our stock. Buying back CGI stock has been an accretive and flexible way to return capital to shareholders. As such, yesterday, our board of directors approved the extension of the NCIB program until February 2023, allowing us to purchase up to 18.8 million shares over the next 12 months. In addition, we reimbursed 250 million U.S. dollars of scheduled debt repayments in the quarter, leaving only 50 million U.S. dollars of scheduled debt repayments for the remainder of fiscal 2022. With the issuance of our senior notes in September 2021, CGI's weighted average maturity is now 4.9 years with 100% fixed, uh, fixed interest rate at very favorable rates. Consistent with previous years, we review our capital allocation plan to formulate the most effective capital deployment strategy to maximize shareholder returns. In Q1, we delivered a return on invested capital of 15.3%, a significant increase when compared to 12.4% in the year-ago period, returning to pre-pandemic levels. Looking ahead, 
As, and as indicated during our investor day this past November, our cash allocation priority remains the same, investing in our business, pursuing accretive acquisitions, and buying back our stocks. With a net debt to capitalization ratio of 27.8% at the end of December, as well as $2.7 billion of cash readily available and access to more if needed, CGI has the strength and capital resources to support our build and buy profitable growth strategy. Now, I will turn the call to George to further discuss the insights and outlook for our business and markets. George? Thank you, Francois, and good morning, everyone. I'm pleased with our team's strong first quarter financial performance. We started fiscal year 2022 with positive momentum in all key metrics, double-digit EPS accretion, accelerated revenue growth on a year-over-year and sequential quarter basis, robust bookings for the quarter and the last 12 months, and cash from operations of 15.7% for the quarter. The continued strength of our financial performance is grounded in our consultants' ability to earn clients' trust every day. This is evident in our modernization and digitization wins in the quarter. For example, Fannie Mae extended our long-term partnership in the U.S. We were awarded new work to support their migration to the cloud and implement intelligent automation and data analytics across all consumer and commercial lines of business. Mehi Leinen, a recognized pioneer in health and care and social services in Finland, has expanded their relationship with CGI to assist in completing their Google Cloud-based transformation. This engagement aims to help optimize costs and increase business agility. The Quebec government selected CGI to help them establish and operate a new government cloud for the next three years. On completion, this cloud environment will be delivering services to multiple government agencies serving over 8 million citizens. Electroscandia, the Swedish electrical wholesaler, which is a company of Sonpar, the world's largest electrical products, systems, and services firm, named CGI as their digital transformation partner to support their modernization efforts, including the implementation of SAP S4HANA. The French Agency for Ecological Transition chose CGI to deliver application services, agile at scale, and DevOps to help modernize their technology capabilities and services, supporting over 3 million businesses. And in the UK, the University of Nottingham awarded CGI a new consulting services agreement. Through this partnership, we will help modernize their digital value chain in support of learning services for over 45,000 students and 7,000 employees. Our robust bookings in the quarter were led by awards from government sector clients, up 28% year-over-year for book-to-bill of 151%. We expect this uptick to continue given that governments around the world are reprioritizing their IT initiatives in line with the evolving public health and economic environment. On a sequential quarter basis, we also saw demand accelerate in the financial services sector, resulting in a nearly 40% increase in Q1 bookings and a book-to-bill of 114%. This was driven by client demand for digital services across all geographic segments. In addition to our strong performance, clients continue to recognize the depth and breadth of our knowledge and expertise, resulting in all-time high client satisfaction scores. Notably, our two highest client satisfaction scores measure how we partner with clients, specifically our level of commitment, collaboration, and communication. These qualities are key elements of the world-class delivery excellence for which CGI is known. In fact, client executives often raise these qualities as some of the most important priorities for their partner selection and cite them as differentiators for CGI. As a people-centered firm, we also recognize that our success is founded on the strength of our consultants and professionals, 85% of whom are CGI shareholders. Our employee satisfaction scores also continue to be at record high levels. This is primarily due to our ongoing investments in digital tooling, health and well-being, and employee development. These are critical elements to provide rapid career growth for our talented employees 
and are therefore instrumental to our overall employee retention. As such, our voluntary attrition rates remains below the IT services industry average. Now, as outlined during our recent Investor and Market Analyst Day, client demand for end-to-end -end digitization remains the key driver for CGI's planned profitable growth in fiscal 2022 and beyond. During that meeting, we shared four areas of investment with annual and three-year objectives. First and foremost, in industry knowledge to help clients in their quest to build their right future. And technology expertise to support them in building it right. And offering intellectual property assets to enable them to build with speed. And finally, the operational excellence to help clients operate and evolve their planned future states. Today, I'll provide updates on each of these areas, starting with the right industry knowledge. We announced our plan to grow strategic business and IT consulting services revenue by 15 to 20% on a compound annual growth rate basis over the next three years. In the quarter, we saw an uptick in consulting and systems integration demand as bookings increased by over $100 million compared to this time last year. This is due in part to the expansion of our local consulting practices and the related increased investment in hiring and developing industry expertise. In fact, we are finalizing a new white paper which consolidates input from our board of directors, CGI industry experts, and external alliance partners to explore the key trends that will impact and shape the long-term trajectories of most global industries. Our consultants will be sharing this paper with our clients to help inform their strategic planning. And we will then discuss with clients how CGI can best support their business objectives. Our next area of investment, technology expertise, helps clients balance the potential of technology with the reality of complex enterprise delivery. We previously announced our fiscal 2022 plan to increase employee training in digital technologies by 33%. A key mechanism for supporting this plan is CGI's online university, where 35% of employees completed courses in Q1. This training enables rapid reskilling and upskilling in areas of high demand, such as scaled agile and cloud technology. Also, in support of our technical expertise investment, we plan to add over 15,000 employee certifications of Global Alliance Partner Solutions over the next three years. So far this year, we have already surpassed 2,100 of these certifications. This has contributed to a 15% increase in bookings with our global alliance partners on a year-over-year -year basis. Leveraging our investments in intellectual property, we also announced our plan to reach 30% of our revenue derived from IP by 2025. In the first quarter, IP services and solutions accounted for 22% of revenue, up from 21% last quarter. Our investments in IP globally are focused on deploying new value-add capabilities across the existing IP portfolio, as well as investing to co-create with clients on new innovations to bring even greater value to clients' digital transformation and add to CGI's IP portfolio. Most importantly, our plans for operational excellence are a critical element our clients are looking for, not only for us to be a safe pair of hands, but also for us to deliver in a cost-efficient manner. To support delivery and operational excellence objectives, the three-year plan we announced includes increasing headcount by 15% on a three-year compound annual growth rate basis across all of our global delivery centers, particularly in India. In Q1, our current hiring pace in India is almost two and a half times more than before the pandemic. This hiring contributed to the 20% year-over-year growth in our Asia-Pacific operation. Given CGI's strong value proposition, our attrition rate in India stands well below the India peer group average. Quarter, our ability to deliver these results is ensuring we have the right talent in both our client proximity and global delivery operations. Over the past few months, We've continued to evolve our hiring strategies to meet increasing client demand. In Q1, the number of new hires more than doubled compared to this time last year. We ended the quarter with 82,000 employees, 
a year-over-year net increase of 6,000 consultants and professionals. We continue to deploy an effective and efficient talent attraction and onboarding approach, with two-thirds of candidates coming directly to CGI, either through referrals from current employees or through direct applications for open positions on CGI.com. In addition, to support our proactive recruiting outreach, we've increased our recruiting capacity across all operating units. Our operational leaders, the same leaders who are responsible for client delivery, are involved in candidate sourcing, assessment, and decision-making at every step of our hiring process. This ensures tight alignment between candidate skills and client needs and reduces overall time to fill open, billable positions. Now, moving to the growth outlook for the rest of the year, we expect client demand for end-to-end -end digitization to continue accelerating across most of the key industries we serve. In government, as I stated earlier, we see positive client demand momentum, particularly in areas well aligned to CGI's positioning and offerings. This includes helping agencies address a range of domestic priorities spanning social and health services, infrastructure, space-based data solutions, environment and the climate, and cybersecurity. In manufacturing, supply chain disruptions continue to require reshaping and reconfiguration. This is driving demand for data-driven enterprises to improve service quality and generate new revenue streams through use of digital services, including AI and advanced analytics. In retail and consumer services, the permanent shift to more digital orders is requiring prioritization of omni-channel investments, while supply chain challenges are creating pressure on customer service and loyalty, driving demand for AI and predictive analytics to improve forecasting, inventory management, and workforce planning. And in financial services, banks are aggressively implementing their digital transformation agendas to better understand their customers and improve organizational performance. Banking client initiatives now often include, if not hinge on, faster modernization of legacy assets, advanced data analytics, and a need for greater operational efficiency. We see this more intensive focus on operational efficiency across all commercial sectors that we serve. It is one of the key levers to help clients counterbalance increased competition against increasing operating costs due to pricing pressures from supply chain disruptions and inflation. Our growth outlook is also positive on the buy side of our strategy. As the fragmentation of the IT services market remains high and we have a growing pipeline of opportunities. As previously mentioned, we increased our M&A team by 25% this year to facilitate our stated plan of allocating $1 billion of capital to merge with Metro market services firms and or merge with firms focused on delivering proprietary intellectual property. In the first quarter, we closed two new mergers, Array and CMC, and announced an agreement to acquire Unico, an Australian consulting and systems integration firm. This transaction remains subject to government approval and is expected to close in the second quarter of fiscal 2022. We look forward to welcoming Unico's employees to CGI as they bring high-end digital skills in key industries, including communications, utilities, and banking. With these mergers, we are on pace to meet our planned M&A capital allocation priorities for the year. In closing, CGI remains one of the few firms with the scale, reach, capabilities, and commitment to be a client partner of choice and an employer of choice. We remain committed to delivering accelerated revenue growth and double-digit EPS accretion for fiscal 2022. This ensures we continue to be an investment of choice. Let's go to the questions now, Kevin. Thank you, George. Julie, we are now ready to take our first question in the queue, please. Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. And your first question comes from Thanos Moskopoulos from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, George, just starting off on uh, margins, um, 
obviously some, some good margin expansion this quarter, which is good to see in a rising wage environment. Um, just help us understand whether there's some puts and takes we should be mindful of or whether, you know, this would be a sustainable level you can build on in subsequent quarters. Um, and also to what extent have the recent tuck-ins been weighing on margins? Is, is that a factor that should provide upside as you integrate those? Or what does that trajectory look like? Thanks. Yep. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, and, and it's a good way to, to shape it. Of course, there, there are some, uh, some puts and takes. Francois mentioned uh, what we're doing on the uh, – to, to deal with some of the wage inflation and, uh, and, and build that into uh, to our contracts. It's actually already built into our contracts. Uh, having said that, uh, as we come out of the, uh, the lockdowns, uh, for all the right reasons, we expect some of our expenses to go up as we continue to, uh, to drive uh, organic growth with our clients and, uh, and be in proximity with them. So some of that will, uh, will, will be a, a take, but we have plenty of levers on the uh, on the put side, uh, you mentioned one uh, correctly. Uh, as we uh, as we tuck in uh, acquisitions, there is always a plan to get them accretive by the first year, but it doesn't happen quarter one. And so there's a there's a little bit of a of a put and take uh, always when we uh, when we do those uh, those tuck ins. But but more importantly, uh, there are other levers to improve through the business mix, including our increased investments in IP30. Uh, there are some underperforming geographies that we have plans to continue to bring them back to the uh, to the CGI uh, metrics, and then of course global delivery and automation continue to give us an opportunity. So even though there will be a, a little bit of a take as we uh, as we open back up, uh, we believe we'll be able to continue to uh, to build on these uh, these strong margins. Great. Um, turning to capital allocation, I think this is the time of year that you uh, reevaluate your dividend policy, and uh, it seems like once again you've decided uh, not to have a dividend. Um, so maybe if you could provide some, some color on that uh, decision, um, is that maybe a function of just you know the the many opportunities that you see as you think about the capital allocation for the upcoming year? Uh, thanks, Atanos. It's Francois. I'll, I'll take uh, this one. Uh, you're right, uh, you know, and, and that's uh, what we indicated uh, at the uh, Investor Day. You know, uh, we feel that, you know, the acquisition and M&A activities uh, uh, will be a lot more active this year. Uh, we're talking about allocating a billion uh, on, on this, and, and that we're on the right path uh, for now. So, so uh, and what we're seeing is that uh, we think that we'll be able to achieve uh, this objective. So uh, that's why we thought that, again, uh, to wait uh, uh, again for, for the dividend. Uh, we, as, as indicated, uh, we did, uh, we will renew our NCIB. So, uh, you know, if needed, we will put some, some investment in the, uh, in the share buyback. But uh, we think that, uh, you know, uh, versus this, versus last year, uh, a lot more in the M&A side. Okay. Uh, thank you. I'll pass the line. Your next question comes from Paul Steep from Scotia Capital. Please go ahead. Good morning. George, Hi, can you just talk a little bit? You, you touched in it in the comments on the IP solutions, but maybe talk about where you've been and in, in the journey of sort of globalizing more of the solutions. I know about a year ago this time you started down that path. Maybe give us an update on how you see things trending. Yep. No, it's, uh, it's a great question because uh, you're right. We, uh, I call it our, our unified approach to, uh, to growing IP, and uh, it really is first and foremost about having process and methodology to propagate the existing IP across the entire uh, channel of, uh, of CGI. So uh, this is everything from improved value proposition through add-ons to our existing IP, broader target market across industries, geographies, and functions and and having a, a more efficient and uh, profitable uh, delivery model. So just to give you a quick update, in the quarter, uh, we do have over 10% increase in the pipeline. We have an over 10% increase in the deal size of the bookings that we have. So that's, that gets to that uh, improved value uh, proposition and that broader uh, delivery mechanism. And then we have an over 10% increase and the win rate. So those are some nice early proof points uh, that say that what we're doing around that propagation is uh, is working. Uh, 
Uh, in fact, we have three of our SBUs that are at the 30%, and, uh, and the two fastest growing are the ones that are under 10%. So we have, uh, we have opportunity, and, uh, and of course, uh, propagating that IP is the way to get there. Uh, we're also making increased investments in the sourcing the new IP. So this is uh, everything from ideation with our industry experts. So that's uh, that's showing some uh, some signs of uh, of opportunity. Co-creating with clients. Uh, sometimes we actually co-create and acquire the IP from our clients. Sometimes we actually just co-create and jointly own it, and everything in between. That's where a lot of our best IPs actually came from. And so we uh, we're doing that across uh, the global CGI now. And then as I mentioned. In the opening remarks, uh, M&A uh, is, is an area where we're going to be looking at um, uh, IP services and solutions firms, uh, not just software only, but services and solutions firms. Uh, we're opening up the, uh, the aperture to more of that in our M&A. So uh, you know, early returns are, are coming, and, uh, and we're, we're bullish on the future. Great. And then just the one Final one for me, just around maybe more quarterly matters here, either you or Francois. Could you talk about, you mentioned client contract adjustments, mainly in the U.K. and Australia. You mentioned a little bit in Scandinavia, but just, you know, obviously this is always sort of a puts and takes, but where we are in the process of sort of running off um, maybe those adjustments for those engagements and ramping other stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, thanks. I'll, I'll take it, Paul. So, so for for UK, clearly it was a you know a one a non-recurring adjustment that uh, had an impact on on their uh, on their growth and contribution. So, so that's behind us, and and so you can expect uh, to 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 have a margin and and revenue picking up in the next few quarters in for UK. And and same thing for for uh, in in the uh, Scandinavia we. We, we have some some uh, you know operational issue that we need to resolve in, in Scandinavia, but we had also non-recurring uh, one-time adjustment that uh, are uh, behind us and expecting that uh, also there we'll see some some growth in the contribution. Perfect. Thank you. Your next your next question comes from Richard C from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now, Richard. Okay. Uh, just uh, wanted to get a bit of perspective in terms of the, the operating level of the business, you know, compared to pre-pandemic. Like, are your utilization rates um, kind of back to where they've been? Like, try, trying to get a bit of understanding on that. Yeah. Um, actually, our, our utilization rates are a little bit stronger than they were uh, pre-pandemic uh, and, and part of that is that, uh, that strong demand uh, side that we see, but also the opportunity we took uh, right at the beginning of the uh, pandemic to take the actions that we felt necessary. So uh, we, we measure the utilization on a weekly basis, uh, obviously not just with reports, but in a call that I have with all the operating leaders. So uh, we're very focused on it, and I'm, I'm pleased to, to tell you that it's, uh, it's actually a little bit above where we were pre-pandemic. Okay. And then, um, obviously, you're in pretty constant contact with your accounts and clients. What are they saying about IT budgets um, going into 2022, you know, particularly, you know, how much higher they are or lower they are and kind of areas of priorities where they want to spend? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Obviously, uh, everybody's got slightly different uh, planning periods, but uh, – in general, uh, in, in areas like financial services, we see uh, those budgets continuing to, to go up. And, and across the board, the focus is on both uh, growing their revenue but uh, and using technology to help do that and, uh, and, and some client-facing uh, solutions in, in, their, uh, in their IT budgets, but also focused on that operational efficiency. Uh, we hear our clients uh, talking about they have uh, – they're dealing with uh, the current uh, economic uh, pricing pressures and, and looking to make sure that they stay competitive through operational efficiencies. Technology, as you know, plays on both sides. It plays on the, uh, on the upside, on the revenue side, but technology also plays on the uh, operational efficiency. So 
we, we see a pretty strong environment for, uh, for IT. And uh, I've been talking for a while, Richard, this, uh, you know, this wasn't just pent up demand that we saw uh, coming out of the, the pandemic. It, it's, it's something we think is sustainable from an IT perspective. Okay, and just one last quick one for me. Uh, you know, on the acquisition side, uh, you talked about opening up the aperture for technology. Historically, uh, you guys have been more sort of value conscious, and so when you look at you know technology type deals, no doubt the uh, valuations are certainly a bit more robust, uh, despite maybe the pullback here at the beginning of the year. So, how do you look at sort of the relative valuation you're kind of willing to pay for these, and maybe give us a bit of perspective on that? Yeah, maybe I'll start and then I'll ask Francois to to continue. Just to remind you, we are looking to make these acquisitions accretive, and so we're very conscious of not overpaying. Having said that, if the value is there, we're willing to pay higher multiples. So I don't know, Francois, if you... And, you know, where we're, to some point, conservative in our acquisition, where we know we're when we're building our return, we're building it a lot of times with, with cost energies. You know, for sure, in IP, we need to, to be convinced that we will have revenue synergies, and, and so meaning uh, expecting uh, reve- uh, a lot more revenue increase coming from, from these uh, acquisitions. And, and we have now the channel across the world to do it. So, so for sure, what we are looking at is IP that uh, can be sold across the world uh, without no much changes and and so for sure you know it will be valued a bit more but uh, we naturally with the return that we think we can enable we don't have any problem to, to pay uh, to pay the, the right price okay great thanks a lot your next question comes from Paul Trevor from RBC capital market please go ahead Thanks very much and good morning. I just want to touch on uh, you know CGI's growth relative to to the market and in, in peers. And now maybe this isn't an apples to apples comparison, um, but some of your peers have reported quite strong growth recently. And I just wanted your thoughts on you know what's your view on CGI's growth, you know just relative to those peers and in the market. And do you feel like you know you're matching, you're exceeding? Um, or, or lagging the, the, the growth of peers in the markets that you're in? Yeah, thanks for the question, uh, Paul. Uh, look, we, we like where we are in our profitable revenue growth uh, current landscape, but also where we're, where we're headed towards. Uh, very, very proud of the fact that uh, we've been able to take this uh, growth that we are achieving both uh, through the build and the buy and, uh, and drop that to earnings uh, per share accretion, double digits here in the first quarter. So we, we like where we are on uh, where we're getting that growth and uh, and what the outlook is. And you see that outlook based on the, uh, the strong book-to-bill again this quarter and for the trailing 12 months. So we feel like we're in a very good um, uh, position to continue to uh, accelerate our growth through both the build and the buy. And, uh, and like I said, our clients are rewarding us for that with uh, new work and, uh, and also in, uh, in the scores, satisfaction scores they're giving us, which translates to future new work. So uh, we're, we feel like we're in a very good, uh, good place there. And just looking at you know, the, the growth uh, in your employees uh, offshore, so India, um, you, know, you mentioned that that's uh, reflective of the demand that you're seeing. So, you know, can you speak to, like, the, the, your clients, are they you know, increasingly prioritizing offshore versus what they did in the past? And what's the underlying driver of that? Is it, is it cost? Is there, is there something else that's, that's driving it, capabilities perhaps? No, I think, uh, I think uh, for, for a, a lot of reasons, there are some in uh, some companies that hadn't gone to leveraging offshore and when the pandemic happened and everybody went remote, both, uh, both onshore and offshore, it, it gave them a view that maybe some of that, uh, some of that could work. And so I think it's just some catch up by, uh, by some of those players. I, I'd add at the same time, uh, given the pandemic, those that were heavily, heavily in offshore uh, look to rebalance some of that. So 
but but on average, you know, if you're if you're rebalancing some of it versus you're going from zero to, to something, uh, the 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 move to offshore is outweighing it. It's also that operational efficiency. There's uh, there there are operational efficiencies uh, to be gained in, uh, in in leveraging offshore, and, and of course that's uh, given kind of what the outlook is for for cost. Uh, we see some of that, but you know it's uh, it's something that uh, will continue to. Uh, to leverage, uh, and, and just to remind you, we're going to stay true to our proximity model even as we leverage global delivery. Thank you. I'll pass on. Yep. Your next question comes from Stephanie Price from CIBC. Please go ahead. Good morning. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Um, I was hoping that you could touch just on the percentage of bookings from new clients. It was very strong in the quarter. Just curious about what's driving the strength and if you've made any changes to the sales process. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Stephanie. As I mentioned, we have made investments on uh, on the talent side and uh, in both the technology uh, reskilling, upskilling, and also the certifications, as I mentioned, on alliance partners. So that gives us another channel uh, to uh, to reach some of the, the newer clients. Also, we're making investments on the uh, industry expertise and the consulting skills. That's another new avenue for us to uh, generate uh, those new clients. So those are kind of two of the uh, investments that uh, that we've been making and will continue to make. That's uh, that's driving some of those uh, those new client logos. Thanks. And then maybe one uh, for Francois. Cash flow came in a little bit below street expectations in the quarter and a little bit below prior years of percentage of revenue. Just curious if you could talk about the puts and takes here and how we should be thinking about modeling cash flow for the rest of the year. Yeah. So uh, thanks, uh, Stephanie, for a question. Uh, yeah, as I indicated, you know, uh, last year we had a very strong cash flow close to $600 million just in a quarter. And, and it really was the fact that last year, because of COVID, you know, we had a lot less uh, uh, bonuses, uh, year-end bonuses to pay last year uh, in the first quarter. So uh, versus uh, 2021, where we had uh, you know a way better year on, on bonuses, and that had an impact on the quarterization or the, the cash coming from from the first quarter. We're still, uh, I'm still convinced that uh, we'll be capable to generate uh, you know the, the right level of cash like last year, and even perhaps a, a bit better than last year. Uh, so, so uh, you know, it's it's just a timing uh, on the cash side, but uh, you know, still still pretty. And you saw the DSO uh, at 45 days, and it's I think now it's the last five or six quarters uh, that, that we are at our target of DSO. So uh, pretty uh, pretty comfortable where we are with the cash generation. That's helpful, color. Thank you. And your next question comes from Howard Long from Veritas. Please go ahead. Thank, th thank you so much for uh, for taking the questions. Uh, I'll, I'll just like to start with um, the one about IP. Uh, George, you mentioned that um, you know one of the ways you're developing IP, and this has been for a while, is to work, work with clients. And just wanted to get a sense of what uh, how how that's structured and how you share the costs. Um, I know. Before you know, you you did this a long time ago with with the big banks in Canada, and now now as you're evolving and and working with more clients outside of Canada, how is that structure evolving as well? Thanks. Yep. No, thanks for the for the question, Howard. It, it really does uh, vary. Um, the the most uh, the most typical uh, opportunity though that we see is that the client uh, actually provides some of the uh, some of the industry. Uh, expertise, obviously the use case, if you will, and uh, and and of course then accelerates it through some of their uh, quality assurance, and uh, and then piloting it. What they get from that is uh, first mover status, and uh, and then of course we build some of those customizations and productize it uh, with CGI's investment, and as a result they uh, they get the long term maintenance benefits. So a lot of times it's really as simple as uh, as that, and then they may pay us for some of the customizations directly and keep them outside of the product. 
and we're seeing that more and more. So there might be some uh, some proprietary or specific elements that we decide up front would not go into the product, but they still get the leverage, kind of the platform nature of the product. That's that's typically the most uh, the most uh, uh, used uh, opportunity that we that we see. Others are, but we've done the, the other where we actually jointly put the money in, and uh, and then we we have a, a royalty uh, scheme that goes back to the the clients based on uh, on new uh, new wins, and of course CGI in all cases owns the the rights to the uh, to the IP, but the uh, but then the uh, the client gets the the rights to to use it in uh, in in a in a perpetuity. So that's uh, that's typically how we uh, we see those. We also see sometimes it's consortium. If it's a cost of doing business, which is kind of the opposite of uh, first mover or proprietary nature of the of the business, it might be a cost, a regulatory cost of doing business, and everybody uh, puts money in as equal partners, including CGI. But CGI uh, runs, owns, and operates the IP for the consortium. So we see kind of um, multiple models. And, and that's pretty consistent across uh, each of the geographies that we operate in. So that, that, that's a great explanation. Thanks for uh, highlighting all the different yep. structures. Um, on, the, uh, on, on, on the acquisitions, um, just looking at um, the revenue contribution you know, from Array and uh, CMC, and I know it's just one quarter, but um, the, the multiples, you know, uh, they, they, look, they look pretty good, I guess, compared to the, the past acquisitions. Is there anything you'd like to call out there, and um, is it just, you know, maybe it's just uh, acquisition specific, or is there something about um, the valuations um, that you're seeing in in in, um, in the your uh, targets? Yeah, well, valuations, uh, you know, as we know, over the last uh, couple of years have uh, have gone up, and uh, but we still are are interested in finding valuations that uh, that we can make accretive to CGI in that first year. And so, uh, yeah, you do see some of that. I would say, though, moving forward, we're seeing valuations starting to favor EBITDA over growth. And uh, I don't know, Frank. Yeah, no, exactly, George. I think uh, we we saw a stabilization of the the valuation. And and, uh, George is right, uh, seeing a, a bit more uh, you know, concentration on 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 the on the how much uh, margin or EBIT or EBITDA that the the, uh, the company can bring in. So so uh, uh, yeah, we are seeing a stabilization of it, and so uh, good opportunities uh, for us. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense given uh, I guess what's been going on in the market the past few weeks. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, and then just maybe just one last one for Francois. Um, just notice the uh, in the quarter PP and D spending, you know, ticking up. Um, is that just kind of a return to normal? Uh, um, you know, tr- uh, investing again in physical facilities, or could you just put a little more color to that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I bet the return to normal. You're you're totally right. Uh, with with uh, you know people that. Uh, Start to come back uh, to the offices uh, for for sure. We we started to do some some investment in, in offices and all that. So so that's that's uh, that's a part of it, and and some of it is also as as we know with with uh, you know, the supply chain in, in some places that it's a little bit tougher. We we can have some a bit of swing from from one quarter to the other uh, with some of the delays. So so both of them. So yes, some of it is just uh, you know um, uh, coming back to a normal investment level. And some of it, you can have some seasonality just because of the, some some supply chain uh, issues. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for the color, guys. I'll turn it back. Your next question comes from Kevin Krishnaratne from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Hi, Kevin. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Good morning. Um, Question for you: Is there is there any sort of way to think about your your customer mix in terms of size? You know, sort of thinking about the split between enterprise, mid market, SMB. I'm wondering, you know, if maybe any recent change in focus, any opportunities, or or ability to take a greater share of IT spend from smaller versus larger customers, and just how do you, if that's the case, how would you think about the structure of your sales uh, and consultant mix and the uh, and the macro market strategy? Uh, you know, just to be aligned with how you're seeing the various uh, and uh, customer end markets. Yeah, no, thanks, Kevin. 
our, our focus is primarily on enterprise uh, clients. Uh, we, uh, we feel that uh, the value proposition that we can bring to them, the impact that we can have on them, uh, particularly given our global footprint and our end-to-end -end services is in fact uh, greatest. And so that's really the, the primary focus. In fact, if you look at uh, some of those recent uh, M&A transactions, whether it's uh, Array, CMC, and Unico, they all have uh, that same uh, makeup of uh, you know very large enterprise, at least one very large enterprise client that, that generates uh, a lot of their revenue. Um, it does not mean that we do not uh, take some of our IP and uh, solutions to the uh, to the medium-sized business, not as much on the on the small side. And um, but but it really uh, the the primary focus is on uh, is on enterprise and those uh, those accounts that we can uh, really again drive the uh, the highest value. And I, I want to make sure you you recognize when we're talking about those metro markets. Uh, those metro markets are where those enterprise uh, companies uh, are are headquartered. It's not uh, it's not uh, looking at uh, uh, at metro markets where uh, it's only uh, going after a small or medium sized uh, company. Very good. Thank thank you for that explanation. Uh, maybe just one uh, perhaps for Francois. Uh, I know you don't disclose gross gross margin. Can you talk about trends there? If I look year over year, the split of managed IT versus consulting uh, is 50-50. It was 50-50 a year ago as well. Um, but what are you seeing on the on the sort of a gross margin underlying trends, um, and how is that contributing to the uh, to the EBIT uh, outperformance? Well, we, we, gross margin is is, is very good uh, and and improving since uh, uh, since the last. Last year, uh, like uh, uh, George alluded before, uh, utilization is very high, uh, so that contributing to 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 the, to the gross uh, margin. So uh, no, continue to be uh, pretty uh, pretty good on it. And SGNA uh, with with uh, the the concentrate the automation that we're pushing more and more, uh, and offshoring of some of the SGNA activities is also uh, improving year over year, and that's why you see uh, the, the EBIT improvement. Super, thanks very much. I'll, uh, I'll pass the line. Your next question comes from Daniel Chan from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, good to see that you guys are still able to grow your team and your employee attrition rates are lower than the industry average. Any any color on why you're able to achieve this? Is it because you guys are paying more, or is it based on the locations where you're uh, operating out of? Any color would be helpful. Sure. Uh, well, I think the the, the biggest uh, reason for kind of where we uh, where we're able to, to to do that is our employee value proposition. Uh, it includes significant stock ownership, the the 85 percent. Uh, the, the investments we've been making in career development, the 33% increase in training and development, around reskilling, et cetera, these, these are really some of the, uh, the, the, the reasons that, uh, that we have this, including our community involvement. Um, it, it's really a, an attractor there. But, but it goes one step further. We, we recognize that we're in a, a, a unique environment, and so um, we've really focused on a few areas that uh, to, to keep that um, not just the, the attrition down, but also the attraction up. And uh, and what we're doing on the attraction side is is really focused on who we recruit, uh, where we recruit, and uh, and how we recruit. And I think that's uh, some of where you were talking about the who we recruit, uh, higher concentration on college hires, and also trainees that are coming from non-traditional IT environments. So that's. Uh, that's about 20% of our hires now. We have boot camps that then build the digital skills that they need. Where we recruit, yeah, yeah proximity and, uh, and offshore, but also those onshore delivery centers. That's a better place to, to recruit for us and, uh, and then a lower turnover rate. And we have 39% of our hires came from uh, global delivery. And then it's how we recruit. Uh, I've mentioned before that uh, a third of our people come through employee referrals. Uh, they're, they're a stronger... Uh, attraction to, to CGI, but the people that refer them have a higher retention rate as well. Uh, so we're really, uh, you know, really uh, making sure that we invest to not just rest on the, the employee value proposition that we have, 
uh, continue to uh, to build in this uh, current environment. Thanks for that, George. Uh, as a follow-up to that, given that 20% of your hires are from non-traditional IT and uh, from uh, relatively junior members from college, would you say that the ramp-up time for these employees might take a little bit longer than typical? Although we do put them through, uh, we do put them through boot camps, so there is a, a little bit of a ramp up. And uh, yet, this is what we're doing today. And you see that uh, we're still able to uh, to deliver the utilization and margins that you uh, you see in our results in this quarter. And yet, uh, that's probably another lever as they uh, as they come on board to uh, to, to increase uh, the the utilization and margin going forward. Okay, that makes sense. Francois, you mentioned that you model um, revenue synergies into your IP acquisitions, whereas typically you typically look to leverage uh, value from cost synergies. How about on the market, uh, metro market modeling side, too? When you're looking at metro market acquisitions, are you also starting to model in revenue synergies, given your view to bring in additional services uh, as you make these acquisitions? Oh, for sure, especially, you know, uh, when, when uh, we're, we're investing – in, in uh, metro markets where we're not necessarily there. Uh, so most of the time it's because we want to buy uh, relationships also and with clients and new clients. And, and so, and that's what we did in the past and in some places. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes these uh, smaller firms will have good relationship with, with large clients, but not having the full capabilities that CGI has. And so by, by coming and, and, and doing this merger, we are bringing the capabilities uh, to, to, uh, to this metro market. And, and with the relationship that we just uh, bought, you know, we're capable to have some revenue synergies there. Great. Thank you. Julie, I think we've got time for one more question, please. Perfect. Your next question comes from Jason Kupferberg from Bank of America. Please go ahead. Hey guys, this is Cassie Chan on for Jason. Good morning. Uh, I'll just, you know, quickly slip into your question. So my first one, I just wanted to ask, you guys obviously had pretty strong bookings this quarter. You know, I think it's the fourth quarter of like LTM book to build, you know, greater than 1.1. Can you just talk about, you know, very briefly, like the core drivers of this and the potential sustainability? So like, can we expect this trend to continue, you know, maybe at least for the next couple of quarters, given the strong dem demand environment that you guys, you know, are able to capitalize on? Thanks. Sure, um, Kathy. One, one of the uh, areas I, I already talked about some of the investments that we're making to uh, to drive some of the uh, the new clients, uh, particularly around the uh, some of the the digital skills and the global alliances, as well as the uh, industry skills and uh, some of the, the consulting growth. So that's uh, that's one of the areas that's driving that is that uh, uh, that mix of, of new clients that are coming in. Certainly, IP as we move to uh, to IP uh, 30 uh, will give us uh, an opportunity as we increase those deal size. I talk about some of the investments that we're making there to uh, to to, uh, to drive that. And then the last is really the operational excellence. You know, the, this uh, drive to, um, uh, to to efficiencies by our clients, um, and a lot of that uh, requires automation and the, that offshore mix and what we're doing around our managed services offering is building modernization into the operational excellence uh, platform. That's, uh, that's driving, again, longer-term, larger deals. So uh, we do believe that uh, in, in this environment we'll be able to, uh, to sustain a strong book to build. Okay, awesome. And then, you know, one final question from me. I know you, you guys have talked a lot about, you know, the consulting investments that you guys are making. And, you know, during the analyst day you guys talked about that. 15 to 20 percent revenue CAGR over the medium term. You know your Uniqlo acquisition um, obviously bolsters your capabilities there as well. And while you don't really break apart bookings or revenues like by consulting, you know per se, you know can you share any metrics on you know perhaps like how book to build for consulting is trending, or any other details there? Thanks, guys. Yep. So uh, we don't break that out uh, now, so I don't have that number in front of me. But I can tell you just in general about 10 percent of our SINC is now um, in the C, uh, in the consulting side. So uh, we're, we're looking at uh, that's kind of the, the basis of what we'd like to continue to grow. Okay, awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care. Okay. 
Okay, thanks everyone for participating. As a reminder, a replay of the call will be available either via our website or by dialing 1-800-770-2030 and using the passcode 742-5436. As well, a podcast of this call will be available for download within a few hours. Follow-up questions can be directed to me at 1-905-973-8363. Thanks again, everyone, and look forward to speaking soon. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.